0: I can't do it!
1: church family, why don't we rise and begin to worship today. I was buried beneath my shame, who can carry that kind of weight? Was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you come on lift up your voice today you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness Into your glorious day Come on, are we ready to worship tonight? Now your mercy has saved my soul Now your freedom is all that I know He only knew Jesus, when I met you And you called my name Come on, sing! And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day come on did you run out of that grave do you remember that day when you ran from the darkness I needed rest My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. Come on! And I'm broken, you are healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. Because when you called my name, I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my name. Your glorious day. Come on, give God a shout of praise today.
0: Yeah. don't stop worshiping right now church come on sing it again sing how great how great how great it-
2: in this place in this place right now we lift up our we take off our shoes because we know the ground we are standing on is holy ground thank you Lord for giving us the opportunity to lift up praise to you hear the praise from the very bottom of our heart Lord just hear our prayers hear our praise in your name we pray Lord Amen didn't want heaven without us. So, Jesus, you brought heaven down. Oh, my sin was great, your love was greater. So, what could separate us now? What a wonderful day it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ. I believe. What a wonderful
3: It is. Give him praise. Say thank you, Lord. Your name is worthy to be praised. Your name is glorious. Your name is Jesus, the King of Glory, the Messiah, our Savior. Father, nothing compares to you. You truly have no rival. You have no competitor. Oh, the devil thinks he could compete, but he's already lost. God your word says, "I will fight for you," says the Lord. Just stay calm. So, Lord, we come to you in peace and love and grace. We come to you with the assurance of our salvation and the assurance that if God be for us, nothing could be against us. We come to you with the truth of the Word of God. That, Father God, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So, God, forgive us for the things that we've messed up because you can straighten them back out. Forgive us for the things that we tried to control. And, Lord, we admit that, Lord, we have no control, so we give it over to you. Father, I pray for the sick. I pray for the diseased. I pray, Father God, for those that are brokenhearted. Father, so many that have lost loved ones. Father God, two families in our congregation that lost loved ones to murder. God, comfort those families, minister to them. Overwhelm them with your goodness and your love. Father God, I just pray for an outpouring of your spirit for everyone here and everyone online. Father God, those that couldn't be here tonight, I pray that you minister to them in the events that they're taking place in. God, I pray that, Lord God, there be a mighty move of your spirit for those watching online and around the world. That, God, you minister to them right where they are. Father God, we pray for peace, grace, love, and mercy. And we pray for just a continual move of your spirit over Bernalillo County, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and over the state of New Mexico. Father, we thank you, we love you, we bless you, we praise you. And we pray, Father God, as we approach Holy Week, that God, we can really focus on the true, true meaning of Easter to understand what it was you did that you suffered, died, and was buried. But on the third day, Lord, on the third day, you rose to give us victory. Oh, God, might we celebrate that every day of our life? And we pray this in the name of Jesus and God's people said amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. God bless you, and I'm glad you're here. God bless you. I love you, and I'm glad you're here. then you may be seated. I just want to remind you of a major, major event taking place this Friday here at the church. I really hope every one of you will come out. It's going to take place from 6 o'clock to 8 p.m., 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and it's called Journey to the Cross. And it's literally gonna be it all over this building. We're gonna go from room to room and experience the walk that Jesus Christ did his last week on earth. And I'm really hoping that you're planning to be here for that. I'm really hoping that you're gonna celebrate with your family. You're gonna invite your friends. You're gonna be able to say, this is gonna be a glorious time of being together. We also are saying Easter is just a few days away. Do you realize that? Easter is April 17th. And I really need some people to step up. We need some greeters. We need some ushers. We need some prayer workers. I'm gonna have a meeting for everyone that's gonna be one of the altar prayer workers. Uh, So if you're gonna be one of those and you are one of those, Make sure you're here on Thursday, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday uh, to be able to have that training. And don't forget, Saturday is men's breakfast, guys. I hope to see you guys over here. Ladies, let your husbands come to men's breakfast. It's going to be this Saturday. We start getting here at 7.30. They cook up, crank up the grills, and we have a great time. This Sunday is uh, a child dedication Sunday, so make sure you sign up. And uh, there's a lot of other things happening, but uh, don't forget, ladies, there's going to be a ladies' conference, a two-day conference, April the 22nd and the 23rd. It's going to be absolutely amazing, ladies, so make sure you drop by the table, talk to Debbie Tate or whoever's, uh, you know, taking care of the table where... They can let you know what's going to be happening. And uh, make sure that you also know, I had told you about a conference called the Beautiful Gospel Conference. It's for those of you that really want to deepen your walk. There's going to be outstanding speakers. It's going to be a four-day event uh Wednesday evening. It's on a Thursday, Friday, and a Saturday. And it's here in town. It's going to be amazing. You have these flyers out in the lobby. You could get that there in the mall area. Amen. There's a lot of other stuff happening. And uh, I just hope you start marking your calendars and keep abreast as to what's taking place. Uh, All of you that volunteer for food distribution, that's going to be happening not this Friday, but the next one. So we really need your assistance and help. Amen. Can we get some lights on for those taking notes and stuff? It's really dark out there. And that way they can read their Bibles. And there you go. Thank you very, very much. Um, we want to get into the word, guys. I've been, uh, youth, you're dismissed. Youth, uh, you guys have your training time and your class time. Those of you in the sixth grade, to eighth grade, if you want to join them, please, they have an amazing gathering time. And they're also having a gathering time on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. During the 11 o'clock service, the youth are now having a service, and it's really awesome. They come in here for worship, and then they go to their classroom. Um, and and um, just want to remind everyone that the uh, graduation for the uh, discipleship classes, for those of you that also took courses with MacU, is going to be the first Wednesday of May. So we were going to have it today, but it's, uh, there's some that are out at, at some training and they're not going to be able to be here. Oh, some of you have been asking about going into prisons, and we've been talking to you guys about that for a long time. We finally have the training coming up. For those of you that want to go into the prisons, the class is going to be a week from tomorrow. So it's not tomorrow. It's the next week, correct? Oh, it's on Wednesday. Okay, so it's Wednesday, it's not on Thursday, it's next Wednesday at 5.30. So 5.30, if you want to start going into the men's or women's prison in the state of New Mexico, you have to take this training class. So it's going to be one week from today at 5.30, and, uh, and that way you could get certified to go into the prisons uh, because we really, they're begging us to go in there now especially in the women's prison, uh, to do some ministry. So we hope that you guys can be a part of that. Amen? All right, well, let's get into the word. Guys, I've been doing this sermon series called Living Without Regrets. And I talk to a lot of people all the time. And there's people that have been telling me, man, pastor, you know one of the things I regret? The older they get is that I didn't learn how to live with contentment. I was never content. I was always just wanting more and more and more, never even enjoyed what I had. I didn't enjoy what God had given me. I didn't enjoy what was taking place in my life or in my family's life. I didn't take time to really celebrate what we had. And all of a sudden, here I am at the end of my life or at the end of my work life, and I realized I wasted time that I could have had with my family and my children, and I could have had me with my spouse because I was so hooked on trying to get more and more and more. I didn't know how to be content. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse five, it says, don't love money. Be satisfied, be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So God, I pray that we really understand this verse. We can understand to live by this verse. We can understand to experience this verse in our life so that we can understand the keys to contentment. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Contentment is something that's sometimes very challenging and hard to grab a hold of. You see, contentment is realizing that God is, has provided everything you need in your present life for your present happiness. God has already provided you. Now, sometimes people go, what has he provided? Well, sometimes he hasn't provided because you haven't trusted him. See, some people are walking on their own and they're living on their own and then they don't know why they don't have and they don't have because they don't have Jesus. They don't have his precepts in their life. They're not following what he laid out and so they're wondering, why did I end up homeless? Why did I end up divorced? Why did I end up, why did I end up, why did I end up? And you ended up where you were because you were seeking to find contentment all in the wrong things instead of looking to God and saying, you're the center of my life and I'm gonna look to you because God will literally provide everything you need so that you can experience happiness because you have learned contentment. When you're content, you start realizing, man, God is amazing, but you know what? Some of us are confused about contentment. We're confused with it. Contentment is how we respond to circumstances, how we respond to people. And we need to understand that we spend sometimes endless hours pondering why some things turn out the way they did why some people treat us the way they do and it's like guess what there's just sin in this world did you know that did you know that there's sin in people's life did you know that some people are straight out wicked they're mean they're just cruel there's all kinds of bullies in this world have you ever come to realize that And there's some people that you go, why do they do that? They even go to church just because someone comes to church. That doesn't mean they're Christian. That's like someone, someone that lives in a garage is a car. You are who you truly are. And you need to realize that. You need to realize that some people are just a bunch of fakes. Some people show up to church, but that doesn't mean that they're truly Christians. Just like some people show up to school, but that doesn't mean they're students. Some just go for recess and lunch. Do you know what I'm saying? I really mean that. But see, contentment is truly how we respond to circumstances or to people. Look, circumstances that we literally control and we do control. So we can control the situation and we do control the situation. So now you have contentment because you could take charge, you could control the situation and you do and you have success and you're like, thank you, God. I feel so complete. I feel content because I can control it. I did, I took action and it went good. And then there's circumstances that we can control, but guess what? We don't. We just ignore And we don't know, we're like, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. I don't know why this keeps happening. Well, hello, McFly. (laughs) McFly means if you've ever watched a movie Back to the Future, some of you are going, who's McFly? But see... You can make a decision to control your situation and you choose not to control the situation, yet you're all frustrated and you're all discontent and you're all just like, I don't know why. And well, all you have to do is step up and do what you're supposed to do. And guess what? Not everyone might not be happy, but guess what? You're gonna be content because you finally took control of a situation you have control over, yet you have surrendered control and you've given the control to somebody else. And they're taking advantage of you and they're taking advantage of the situation and they're manipulating and they're just playing these little games and you're allowing it because you're choosing not to do something about it. And then you don't know why you're so frustrated. And you don't know why you're not content. And you don't know why you're just dissatisfied. And you don't know why you're just like, why do people do this to me? Because you allow them to. There's people that walk all over me. You know why? Because I've allowed them to, so they think it's perfectly fine. And they have a doormat. And it says, welcome, wipe your feet all over Pastor Richard. Are you with me? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that's your life. You allow people to walk all over you, trample all over you, control you, and you have control to make a difference, but you choose not to. And then there's circumstances that we can't control. We cannot control. But we try to anyway. Do you know how frustrating that is? When it's a situation you have no control over, you literally cannot do anything about it. You can't, but you're trying to. And you go around and screaming and shouting, Ah, who, who ordered this weather? It's all windy. Why is it windy? Because the barometric pressure and that you know, are you with me? You have no control over it. Some people are just cruel. Haven't you ever had someone that just is mean to you? They text ugly things to you or they call you on the phone or they just go right to your face and they, they just do some mean, cruel things. And you sit there going, what's going on? What's wrong with these people? You know what? You have no control over them, but you have control over you removing yourself from that situation. You could block them. You could remove them off your list of, of, of data, of contacts. You could sit on another side of the church. And if you're related to them, you could say, I, I really, I, I can't keep doing this. If you're married to them, get some counseling. But you've got to be able to see that there's some things you cannot control, but you've got to quit trying to control it because it's driving you insane. And you're never satisfied. You're never content. So then the question I want to try to deal with today is how can we learn to be content? What are the keys to contentment? And the very first one is to keep your lifestyle in check. Keep your lifestyle in check. Look at your life and say, okay, okay, What about my life And am I not happy with? And what about my life And am I happy with? And what about my life am I out of control in? Some of us are out of control just by decisions we're making. We're never satisfied. We're never happy. We're always looking for more and more and more and more. And it's like you're addicted to it. You just got to have more. You get a television and you're all happy and you're like, oh my gosh, we got a flat screen TV that's an LED and it's a 55 inch. We got a 65 inch. Oh, well, we got a 70 inch now. Well, we have a 75 inch. We have an 80 inch. Well, we got the 92 inch. Oh my gosh, chill out already. Quit comparing yourself. Look, Philippians chapter four, verse 11 through 13. Paul says, not that I was ever in need for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything, all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, he's talking about, he's in prison and he's saying, look, guys, I know you're having some tough times out there. Let me tell you, it's horrible in here. But you know what? I've learned how to be content. We've talked about this before and we've looked at this before where we've we've seen some things and we said, look, why is it that we have this situation? Why is it that we're looking at this situation? Why is it that we're, we're comparing ourselves and we're saying, you know what? Think about when you have those conversations and you go, man, you remember all we had was fried bologna? I don't know about you, I love fried bologna. It's amazing to have fried baloney, And we just celebrate fried bologna. Somebody told me to fry bologna and put peanut butter on it. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, but I'll tell you what. Sometimes it could get a little crazy. But I'm telling you, you've been content before. You've been content when you were in situations that you said, my goodness gracious, we used to have just beans and chili. And you're like, beans and chili again? And now that you've moved away and you have a job and you have steaks and you have potatoes and you have all that, you want to go home and you go, mama, make me beans and chili. Because you remember how happy you were and how content you were with the little you had. See, we've got to get back to reality. So we need to make sure we don't compare ourselves. Don't compare to others. I'll never forget my my next door neighbor when we grew up. They were meat and potato people. Every night they had steak. Every night. Now, they weren't a big family. We were a big old family. We had five, to seven in the house. We didn't have steak that often. I don't know if any of you were like that. We had steak like maybe once every two weeks. And it was one day we'd have a cookout. And and man, he'd have steak every night. And he'd come outside because everyone would go in at the same time to go eat. Then you'd come back out in the street to play. And he'd come out still chewing on a piece of meat. And he'd go, we had steak again. And I'm going, steak again? <laughs> we have it once every 14 days if we're lucky. You see, but I didn't compare, get all, ooh, ooh. Because, man, we we were fed great. We had meals that were simple, but then Don't compare. Before you know it, look, how many times you buy a brand new car, maybe it's not off the showroom floor, maybe it's not brand new of the year, but it's brand new to you, and the minute you get your car, you start going, ooh, we should have got the one with the leather package. <laughs> like Tommy did over here. Susie has the one that's, and, and you start comparing. And you start looking at what they got instead of what you got, and not, you're not happy, and then you're, don't compare. Because the minute you start comparing, it starts eating at you. And the minute it starts eating at you, you start getting just discontent. And when you're discontent, it'll just eat at you and eat at you. And before you know it, you are not a happy camper. And that leads you to the second thing. Don't complain. If you want contentment, quit being a whiner and a complainer. But when you compare, then you're complaining. Oh my gosh, we don't have what they have. Did you see what they have? Golly, well, I wish we had what they had. God, yeah, they got fresh tortillas. Well, mom doesn't know how to make tortillas. Yeah, but they got fresh tortillas made over at Golden Pride. We got the fresh tortillas over at Frontier. We got the. Are, are you with me? You start just complaining. You start complaining, complaining, complaining about this, complaining about that. Oh my gosh, chill out. But when you compare, you complain. And when you complain, everyone around you is going like, oh, here it goes again. Here it goes again. They're never happy. They're never happy. They're never happy. I mean, I don't know about you. Do you remember when you were a kid and, you, and your parents didn't have a whole lot of money? And maybe you went to an amusement park? The ticket was the, the, the souvenir. You got an entrance. You got to go to Western Playland? Wow. You showed everyone your ticket. (laughs) We didn't ever get a mug. Now, man, everyone wants, and, and you start comparing, you start complaining. And then when you start complaining, then you know what happens? You covet. So don't covet. Don't compare, don't complain, and don't covet. Covet literally comes from the Hebrew word that means shamad. And shamad is commonly translated as covet, lust, or desire, a strong desire what belongs to somebody else. So you're wanting what belongs to somebody else. Why? Because you started comparing and then you started complaining and now you want what they got. And so sometimes people steal. And if they don't steal, look, I understand. I, I, I've never ridden in the Tesla. I've heard about Teslas. I'm not really a follower of Teslas. I, I Apparently it's a car that's very popular now. And some people are very jealous of people that have Teslas. So did you know that across America, people have been keen Teslas. And the Tesla has cameras all over the car. So there's some people here at the mall on the west side of town, whatever that mall is called, and there was some teenagers that go to the high school there and they walked by a Tesla and they got a key or they got a knife or something and they keyed the car, but they got caught on camera. So then they got arrested and the parents had to repair the car and those repairs are not cheap. All because they were jealous. Oh, they have a Tesla, they think they're all bad. They don't know how that person thinks. We don't know if they're all show off. I got a Tesla. They just might be, hey, praise the Lord. God has blessed me and I got to buy a Tesla. It's a nice vehicle. I get to enjoy it. But no, some people get jealous. And when they start getting jealous and they start comparing and they start complaining, then they covet. They want what somebody else wants. Some people aren't happy with their own household. They're not happy with their wife or their husband. They start looking at the neighbor's wife or husband. Ooh, look at that. Man, oh, man. He cuts the grass and everything. Oh man. Boy, look at her. She, man, she's really on it. Oh, baby. I'd like to talk to that great lady. Talk to your own wife and your husband. Strengthen your marriage. Quit comparing. Quit coveting. You covet their vehicles. You covet their house. You covet, they, you, they invite you over. You see the curtains. Now you got to get better curtains. It's like, my goodness gracious. When are you ever going to be satisfied? We've got to learn how to quit comparing, complaining, and coveting. We have to keep our lifestyle in check. Say, God, keep me in check. Help me. Help me to stay where I need to stay. The second thing we need to do is we need to keep our loves in check. Our loves in check. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. I'm just using keep in check, keep in check. So keep your lifestyle in check, keep your love. The things that you love. What are the things that you love? What are the things that drive you? What are the things that have your heart? What are the things that totally just grip you and you want to live for God's glory and do it amazing? In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 10, it says, those who love money, hear me, those who love money will never have enough how meaningless to think their wealth brings true happiness let me tell you something there's a lot of people that were filthy rich and they took their lives we could go as far back as jim belushi we could go back to robin williams we could go back to farley we could go back, Chris Farley. I mean, you could go on and on and on. These famous, very wealthy people that were broken and empty and not content with life. And they didn't keep the loves of their lives in check. Man, we need to fight greed we need to fight that thing. What is it that grabs your heart? What is it the thing that has you? What is it the thing that holds you? What is it the thing that drives you? What is that thing that you love that you'll do anything for? That you'll bend the rules, you'll you'll do whatever you need to to make sure you get it, even if it's wrong if it brings shame to the name of Jesus, if it brings shame to your family, if it brings shame to your position. Some people have lost their jobs over some of the dumbest, dumbest decisions, all because they didn't have their love in check. They loved money, they loved power, they loved position. And they did whatever it took to get there. Sometimes they lie about somebody at work. And they go, hey, did you know this? You know this? You know this? And that person gets fired, and you move up to the position, but you're not even qualified. You don't even know how to do it, and you don't last there long because God doesn't honor your wickedness. And you don't know what's going on. You've got to fight greed. You have to fight it because when you're greedy, you're never content. You're always wanting and protecting what you have, and you're constantly guarding it. Look, it's it's unfortunate. People in Albuquerque are ripping people off constantly. And it is very disappointing, especially when you work so hard and somebody steals what you have. Look, I shared this story a while back, but I'm at the stoplight on Rio Grande and Mountain. And as I'm sitting there, there's a car, two cars in front of me this truck, and there's a a, a, a a work truck in the other lane, and it's one of those work pickup trucks that have a toolbox box with all these doors, and the guy in the car, he's leaning over, opening the toolbox, getting ripping them off at the red light. So I'm honking like crazy, hey, am and, and people in front of me are like, "What?" I'm like, "Hey, so I'm honking, hey, they're ripping you off!" And Cindy goes, e, they're going to shoot you. And I go, well, I, I, I would like somebody to scream at me if they're ripping me off right in broad daylight while I'm in the driver's seat and they're ripping me off. Like, man, greed, greed. People are greedy. There's people, I mean, look, look at the murders we've had in our city. They go into a, a massage party and just took $100 and took the lady's life. For $100. How much is your life worth? How much is a life worth? Sure is a whole more than $100. But greed, they're never satisfied. They have to have more, they have to have more and they'll get it any way they can because they're not content with life. They're not content. So you know how you fight greed? First of all, be grateful. Be grateful for what God has given you. Be grateful, don't go. It's like, man, if you get a raise, say thank you, Jesus, eh, they didn't give me much of a raise. They didn't have to give you any raise. They give you a bonus. Mm, you call this a bonus? You don't, "Oh, give it back then, no, no, no. The other day I was waiting for change, and they go, "Well, do you really want your change? I go, "Well, it is seven dollars. I'd like my seven dollars." I go, do you want to give me $7? No, why should I? I go, exactly. It's my $7. I'll wait till you get your change. See, some people are not grateful with what they have. They're constantly complaining and griping instead of saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Look, some people say, why do you bless the food when you sit down to eat? One, because I have been hungry before. So I say, thank you, God, for this meal. And I also don't know what the restaurant did to my food. No, no, I really mean that. I don't know what they did back there. They dropped it on the floor. They might have stepped on it. They might have spit in it. I don't know. So I'm just saying, God, bless this food. Make me strong and healthy. Don't let me get sick. But thank you, God. Thank you for what you give us. Thank you for what you pour out to us. Thank you for how grateful you are, Lord. I mean, how gracious you are. I'm grateful that for which I have. The whole United States proclaimed a day of thanksgiving to say, thank you, God, to thank God for what he had done and provided for America. And now we have thanksgiving just to have a big old meal, but instead it should be a day of giving thanks and praise to our heavenly father for what he does. See, we need to learn to be grateful. Kids nowadays, I don't know about you, but, but man, we teach, we taught our kids how to do this and we're teaching our grandkids how to say, say thank you. Sometimes I've, I heard somebody say one time to their little child, what do you say? And the kid goes, give me more. <laughs> and I thought, man, isn't that the truth though? See, that's the heart of man nowadays. They just want more and more and more and more. They're never satisfied. They want more. Instead, hey, what do you say? Say thank you. Say thank you. Man, be gracious. Another way to get rid of greediness is be be generous. Help people. Help people. There's people in need. Now, there's some that are just out to make a buck and take a buck. They're just out there to scam you. But not everyone's out to scam you. There are people that literally want... Some serious help, and they need serious help. So be generous. Be generous. Homeless are scared nowadays. I used to go buy the dollar burgers. I'd buy a whole bag of them and give them out. Now they're afraid, like, man, what'd they do to me? Did they spit in it, poison it, mess with the food? We have this couple in our church that does Doordash, Grubhub, deliver—I don't know. All I know is they deliver food. And sometimes if they they can't find the house, or sometimes people anyway. All I know is they had an order for something like eight pizzas, and the person never was there to get the pizzas. So the company that they work for says we'll keep them. We don't want eight or it was ten. It was a lot of pizzas. So they're like, what do we do? Well, they go, let's take it to the homeless. And they were just going to be generous. They were going to give it out. And these aren't wealthy people. These are a couple in our church that are working hard. They're they're working hard to provide for themselves and their family. And they started giving out pizza, and, and the homeless, like, what would you do to it? No, no, you know, and they didn't want it at first because people are afraid anymore. But man, when they finally, this one guy goes, I don't know whether they did or not, I'll take one. And before you know it, man, they're chowing down. They were big old monster pizzas. Be gracious, be generous. Be grateful for what God has done and be generous with what he has helped you obtain, share with others. Don't be afraid to share because the more you give, I don't know about you, when you do something, don't you feel good? Like, yeah, man, we're able to make a difference. We're able to make a difference. I told you my grandson was here a, a month ago, and he was working, and I, I told him, look, if you do this in the backyard, I, I'm going to pay you. And I paid him, and next thing you know, I'm taking him back to El Paso, and we stopped in Socorro, and, and there was a guy there in front of the 7-Eleven, and, and he's sitting there asking for money, and I go, dude, I don't have any cash on me, but I'll, you know, what do you need, and I'll get it for you in the store. And so, meanwhile, my grandson takes his wallet out and hands the guy 20 bucks. I go, you don't have to give him 20. It only leaves you with 10. Grandpa, that's what God told me to give him. I'm not going to argue with you, son. I'm not going to argue with you. He's learning how to be generous. He's learning how to be generous. So if you want to quit being greedy, learn to be grateful, learn to be generous, and then learn to keep God in the center of it. Say, God, am I supposed to help this person? You know what? God says sometimes no. Even in the the New Testament, Jesus said, the poor you're going to have with you always. So what he's saying there is you can't meet every single need, but meet the needs that I'm telling you to meet. There's time God impresses to you to get them, give them something, help them. Sometimes if I'm at a fast food place and they're asking for food, I go, tell me what you want and I'll meet you on the other side and I hand you your bag of food. So I don't feel like God is telling me to give them cash. And so they wait for me and they're going, Are you really gonna do that? I go, yeah, just meet me. On the, what do you want though? I need to know what you want. And then they meet at the drive through and on the other side, they hand me the food and I give it straight to them. So they even see that I never even touch it. Here it is. But you know why? Because I'm trying to say, God, I want to hear you. I want to do it the way you want me to. I want to do it the way you are saying. So we need to keep our lifestyle in check. We need to keep our loves in check. And we need to keep our letting go in check. Now, let me tell you what I mean by letting go. The things that we're going to be letting go of, the things that are going to capture us, the things that we need to release, the things that we are giving away, the things that have a hold of us, because there's things that have a hold of you that when you look back over your years and you started walking with God, hasn't things changed in your life? Aren't there things that at one time totally had you and now you've let them go? You're like, ah, oh, it's so weird, man. I'm not all uptight anymore. And that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. <laughs> now you still might fight over the remote control, but you know what? <laughs> it's like we get all shook up. Look what Jesus says in the gospel of Matthew chapter six. He talks about letting go. He talks about investing in the right thing. He says, starting at verse 21 through verse 34. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that produces light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is is filled, and it's filled, he says, with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In other words, if you think the light in you, is uh, the darkness in you is light, that's how messed up you are. It's bad, and you think it's good. He goes, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to be worried about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Let's just stop right there. Most of us, have stuff in our refrigerator, but we just don't necessarily find it appealing. You still have food, you still have some food in your cupboard, and you're like, hey, I don't want to eat that. that. Are you with me? We're just spoiled. Clothing. Hi, I don't have a thing to wear. You, you've got so much clothes, it doesn't fit. Inside the closet. What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear tomorrow? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you only have 50 outfits to pick from. He goes, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing yet. Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that are here today, And thrown into the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? See, you've got to let it go. You've got to let that go. You've got to let your worry go. You've got to let your anxiety go. It says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So he's saying, keep it in check. Are you letting it go? Are you releasing your anxiety? Are you releasing your worry? Are you releasing those things that just consume you? We really need to give it to the Lord. We really need to say, I can't do this. I can't do anything about it. So you know what? I'm not going to try. Lord, I can do something about this, so I'm gonna take steps that I can to do whatever I need to. And there's some things I have no control over, and there's some things I do and I haven't done anything. Get with it. But get rid of your worry. Get rid of your fear. Get rid of your anxiety. Let it go. Put your letting go in check. Am I releasing it to God like I'm supposed to? Or am I holding on and just tripping out constantly? Because I'm telling you, God wants you to have peace of mind. He wants you to be content. He wants you to be satisfied. Man, some of you are old enough to remember the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction. And I try, and I try, and I try, well, I try. But I can't get no boo. <laughs> Man, that's that's us. That song resonated in our life because we're like, yep, I feel exactly like that. You're just constantly looking for more, for more, for more, for more. You've got to let go. You've got to release it. Keep your letting go in check. Keep it in check that I'm releasing my worries, my fears, my anxieties over to God because he says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Release it to me. And then the last keep in check, I put keep your Lord in check. And I really should have put your Lordship in check. See, who is Jesus Christ in your life? Is he just your Savior, but have you really allowed him to become your Lord? Let me tell you the difference. A Savior saves you from your sin, but a Lord now directs and governs and guides your life. You are saying, God, what do I need? What do I seek? I'm seeking you. Lead me, guide me, instruct me. Show me, God, because Lord, when I yield to you, I do it right. When I yield to you, my mom and dad are happy. When I yield to you, my husband or wife is happy. When I yield to you, my family is happy. When I yield to you, my workers are happy. When I yield to you, my employers are happy. When I yield to you, I end up, I'm pleasing unto my father because I'm doing it as unto him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. That's what I mean by keep your lordship in check. Keep it. Are you being genuine? Are you trusting God? It says, test yourself. And the test is, okay, am I really trusting God or am I stressing out and worried about me. It says, surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So if you're wondering, I don't even know if the Lord's here. I don't even know if the Lord cares. I don't even know. Sometimes you might feel that way, but when you realign yourself, you go, Lord, I know you love me. I know you care. I know you're here. I just lost focus, and I'm focusing on the problem instead of the solver of the problem because my God will see me through. He will watch over me. He will take care of me. And that's how you know you have genuine faith because you know what? Even in the trial, you move forward. Even in the anxiety, you release it to him. Even in the confusion, you go, Lord, I don't even know how you're gonna do it, but you know what? I know that you're gonna work all things to work together for good. So I'm gonna put my trust in that. I'm gonna put my hope in that. I'm gonna believe that. I'm gonna lean into that, and I'm gonna see it come to be. You see in the book of James chapter four, Verse seven and eight, it says, so humble yourselves before God. Humble yourself before God is saying, you know what, Lord, I need you. I I can't do this. I've tried everything I could do, but I cannot do this. God, I'm admitting I need help. You see, I'm keeping the Lordship in check. I'm keeping the Lord in check. Lord, you know what, I need you. I, I humble myself. I can't do it on my own. Resist the devil, because you know what the devil's gonna tell you? You don't need him. He doesn't even care about you anyway. Where is God? If he was here, why are you in this mess? And you know what the answer to that is, 99% of the time? Because you disobeyed him. You shouldn't have done what you did. How many times have you done something? You go, oh, I can't believe I did that. God's going, neither can I. I told you not to. Oh, no. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. God, I need you close to me. I need you. God, I'm going to be wherever you are. Wherever God is, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to run to him. I'm going to hide behind him. I'm going to hold, get a hold of him. I'm not going to let go for nothing. I am holding on for dear life. And he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Meaning, you know what? Now that I'm close to you, God, these hands, this body of mine has sinned. Forgive me. Purify your hearts. God, the heart is easily deceived. Lord, I don't want to be divided between God and the world. Lord, I am doing everything in my power to make things right. So you know what we need to do is come before God and say, God, I'm doing everything that you've told me. I'm keeping my lifestyle in check. God, I'm really looking the way you want me to look. I'm not looking to the right or to the left. God, I am sincerely... Keeping the loves of my life in check. I've got my love focused on you. God, I've got my letting go in check. I'm really not holding on to anxiety, worry, or fear, or doubt anymore. I'm giving it over to you. Because God, you are my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my Redeemer. You're my friend. And if he's not tonight, I pray that you receive him. And let him be that. So if you've never received Jesus. If you've never asked him into your life. If you've never welcomed him as your savior, and that's him to forgive you of your sins, and you want to do that tonight, raise your hand. Say, you know what, pastor, that's me. Anyone here tonight, anyone that wants to say, I'm ready to make that decision? Well, then I want us to pray. I want us to really look deep in our life and say, where do I stand? What have I been doing? that God is causing all this anxiety and I don't have contentment. Instead, I'm always looking and looking and wanting and wanting and wanting. And God, today I want to make it right and I want to do things the way you want me to. So if there's something you want to come and lay down at the foot of the cross, if there's something you want to surrender today, if there's something you want to let go of today, I invite you to come up for prayer. So would you stand with us as some of you make your way up? To say, I need this prayer time. I need this surrender time. I need this time of saying, God, I have been filled with so much anxiety and I'm realizing that part of it is because I don't know how to be content. I don't know how to be satisfied. I don't know how to be satisfied with what you've given me. That doesn't mean you can't have a goal to have more. It doesn't mean you can't have a goal to work hard. But it means that you're going to be satisfied with what you have. Until God says, it's good. So surrender it all to the Lord. Cry out to Him right now. Ask Him to minister to you. Ask Him to receive that which you have to give Him. As we sing this song. Give God the glory. this If you don't want to, but I really encourage you to turn to your neighbor as we close in prayer. I want groups of prayer and just tell them, pray for my family, pray for my home, pray for my job, pray for my life. You don't have to go into all this explanation. Just say whatever you need prayer for. And then you're not going to pray. You're just going to agree in prayer as I close in prayer. But you're going to just put your hand on their shoulder and you're going to pray for them. So take the time to say what your need is if you want to participate. And say, this is what I need. Pray for my family. Pray for my job. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my walk with God. Pray for my everything, whatever it might be. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we have confessed our need. We have humbled ourselves to say, I have a need. Lord, even if the need's just to be more and more like you, God, we ask that in the name of Jesus, we stand in agreement with the person that we are praying with, that you are going to meet the need of our life and of the life I'm praying for. God, minister to that man, minister to that woman, minister to that household, minister to that life, that marriage. That single parent, that child, the parents of those children, the siblings. Pray for the school or pray for the job or pray for the community. Pray for the love at the household. Just pray for the sick. Pray for deliverance. Pray, Father God, for miracles. And we pray all these things and many, many more in the powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And God said amen. Say amen to your brother and sister. And then give it up to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, for what he's doing. Please don't forget, this Friday, 6 p.m., we're going to have Journey to the Cross. I'll be looking for you. I hope you're here from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. God bless you. It's a come and go. So you come and once you're done, you leave. God bless you guys.